because you're jumping back into the gap. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Columbia head coach Megan Griffith to the Basketball Podcast. Griffith has ushered in a new era of Columbia women's basketball. Her time as head coach has combined to be the winningest six-year stretch in the NCAA Division I history of the program. Over that time, the Lions have earned seven power conference wins, including her first victories over opponents from the ACC and Big East. Columbia has also qualified for the Ivy League tournament in each of the last two seasons, playing the championship game in 2021-22 before accepting the program's first bid to the Women's National Invitational Tournament. The 2021-22 season was a landmark year as the team had its winningest season in program history, going 25-7 overall with a 12-2 Ivy League record. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, this is going to be fun. And uh, I, lo- I love talking to people like yourself who have uh, who have done something at a place that has never had that happen before. And your first postseason experience last year for the Columbia program. And uh, that must have been quite the experience for you and the school. Absolutely. You know, it's um, this was a chance for me to come back home. Right. So graduated from Columbia in 2007 and, you know, I'd been in the league and, and got to see from afar, you know, kind of what Columbia was doing. And, you know, I just I knew it was a place I always believed in. I always knew it was a place that could win. I think New York City is an amazing, amazing, you know, kind of playground to have in uh, in, in addition to where you're going to school. So it's, you know, it's a great academic environment. I just thought, you know, we just need to get the right people here. And I was get got the opportunity in 2016. And, you know, here I am kind of able to turn the program around, you know, from worst to first kind of mentality. So, you know, we're hoping to make that NCAA tournament this year. That's the big goal. Well, that'd be great. And uh, we're cheering for you. And uh, it's it's great to talk to people that have gone through that experience. And I had a coach when I was just starting out in coaching. And when I started coaching, I had a very talented team. It was actually a girls high school team, really good talent on the team. And he told me I wouldn't become a good coach until I coached somewhere where we were struggling and losing and then had to really figure it out. And I imagine that's the case for a lot of coaches. And do you value that experience that you went through in terms of that growth? Absolutely. You know, it's, you can't, I feel like you you can win if you're good, right? You can just walk into a winning program. You can take over a winning program or just come in and be part of that team. But to like understand struggle and adversity and like what that feels like, what it looks like, like that's what you're really going to deal with in like a tight game, right? Or when you get to the tournament, when you're trying to play for something, um, so it's like to know where we were to now be where we are um, has only made it that much sweeter. And I think it's really, you know, our senior class, that's why they're such great leaders, you know, because they they went through the change with us. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely invaluable, you know, for us to be where we are now. And we're going to dive deeper into some of the things that have led to this uh, change and obviously the success that you're at now. And, uh, you know, I know it starts with you with the culture and the core values and uh, you you say it comes down to these uh, four letters, which is edge. Can you explain mm-hmm. those to us? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we, when I first came to Columbia, there was, I knew we needed something to like attach to, right? Like what can every alum, every person, you know, and eventually every player that comes here, um, you know, culturally be like, this is what Columbia basketball is. And so, you know, we say the Columbia edge, you know, I think it's multi-meaning and, you know, one thing is I always really believed like you need to play with an edge, you need to play, like you're, you're trying to go out there and prove something. Um, And that, that like really has resonated with me in my career as a player and a coach. 
So that was part of like me being authentically who I am, right? And then the other part is, you know, the acronym itself of energy, discipline, grit, and excellence. Um, and, you know, we've over the years been able to really like trim it down to not just what it means on the basketball court, but also, you know, energy is like being a great teammate, right? And so like how many touches are you getting in practice? Are you picking your teammate up? Are you embracing with the teammate? Having those like real interactions and we chart that stuff, right? And then discipline, you know, we say own your choices, right? Like taking ownership, having that self-accountability. Um, you know, are you are you the first in the gym? You know, are your shoes tied when you walk onto the court? You know, you got the right colors on. Everybody starts in the Columbia Blue when we start practice. Um, you know, and then grit, you know, we say too, like a lot that's like, you know, kind of like that those toughness plays, right? Growth mindset. That's the word, the words that we like to use. Um, you know, you might not get it the first or second time, but having the perseverance to really grit it out and get there in the third time, stepping in and make that big play, take that charge. Um, and then the last thing, excellence, you know, we talk about being a player-led program, you know, and that's the one like we wrestled with the most, I think, because when you're not good, <laughs> it's really hard to be like, well, who am I looking at? Or like, who's leading us to that? Um, take those big steps. And, you know, that's truly where we are. I really believe our team has grown the most in that, in that sphere of excellence. Um, you know, now it's edge is synonymous with Columbia women's basketball. You know, every alum knows it. Our players joke about tattooing it on their, you know, on, on their lips or like on their arms or something, you know, once they get to the Ivy championship. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something you need to have like a hallmark of your program. Well, it's great. I'm glad you gave us some examples of how you bring it to life in practice. And I'm curious then, even more so from the player-led perspective, what are some things that bring that to life in terms of your practice or in terms of your program? Yeah, we. I'm really big on like how you talk to each other, not just like what you say, but that's also very important. So communication and, you know, one thing that's like in our, our program manual is like we talk about communicating to connect with each other. Right. And and that's not just verbal all the time. Um, so how you talk to each other, what you say, like we have a, a glossary for how we talk to each other. Right. Like the in terms of basketball terminology and and just like the things that, you know, make us who we are. But then also it's just like big body language is another thing we talk a lot about. Um, and so in practice, you know, our players, they every time we say a drill, they're everybody's echoing their calls. Um, we warm up. Right. And our strength coach kind of he, he sometimes he puts us through their warm up and our players are talking about defensive schemes during that the whole time, right? Like, oh, hey, watch this on the weak side. We're bumping, we're flying, you know, we're smashing this, we're doing. So using our glossary, they're kind of just warming up their voices. That's how we start every day in practice. Um, you know, and then in drills, you know, I think if you ever come to a, a practice, you're more than welcome, Chris, but, you know, it's just, they're, it's constant chatter. You know, that's the one thing anybody that visits our gym always says is I love how your kids communicate. So yeah, well, it's, a, it's a part of it. Mm -hmm. and, and it sounds like, again, like one of the struggles I think coaches have with communication is we all know it's important is yeah. actually giving your players a communication plan so that they understand what to say and how to say it. And that's what you've said you've covered in this glossary. Can you give us a little bit more perspective? Because I think when you think about having an edge, you're mm -hmm. talking about being very competitive and yes. balancing being competitive with communicating properly is sometimes challenging, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've read. um Gosh, I'm trying, I'm blanking on the book name. I'll find it. It'll come back to me. But there's like a communication scale in, in a book that I've read. I think it's The Winning Way, maybe what the book's called. I'll, I'll find it for you. Um, anyways, it's it breaks down from zero to five, like what a great communicator is. And it's like this communication scale. So I read it probably three or four years ago and kind of brought it to our program. And it's it talks about that exact thing that you're just saying, like, how do you compete and stay competitive, right? I mean, and stay communicative. So basically, zero is like the generic, like, good job, you know, like, and just kind of, 
you know, clapping your hands. And then it goes all the way to like what a five is. And like, that's like the director on the court. You're using names, you're specific. You're not just saying like, nice cut, Abby. You're like actually telling Abby like what she did and like where she should get the ball and whatever, you know? Um, so going to like the next level of not just the base communication, but so we say basically, if you're competing and communicating at such a high level, like our average of five players should be 20 points, right? So we need fours and fives on the court, not just, you know, ones and twos. Um, and I think those are like the, the hallmark signs or the signs of like a really great program is when you got people competing and communicating at such a high level. Well, even adding that quantifiable part to it is really important, isn't it? I know you're big into analytics as most coaches mm-hmm. are nowadays, but yeah, like yeah. giving that number to coaches it's, or to players and being able to be very specific with your feedback. Hey, today you were only a two or a three. Yeah. Helps give them a real good perspective on what they're not doing or what they are doing well. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's the most important part of learning, right? Is like they need to know what they are or not doing, right? Versus just, hey, be better, (laughs) be specific, direct as much as possible. When I love that you're sharing communication on defense and saying specific things, because that's the other part of it is like generally we talk about communication, like we talk about saying on defense, saying ball, but ball really gives your teammates no useful information. They better know where the ball is, right? So you're getting them more specific with their communication as well. Can you give us some more examples of some of the defensive communication that you value? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we talk a lot about like, you know, there's, there's, the positions obviously that you're on the court, right? You can be on the ball, you can be in the gap for us specifically. We have something called a mid, which it stands for the most important dudes. That's like your real helper, right? And then we also have like your help position. So one, that's like identifying where you are first. But the second part of that is also like, you know, we call our defense, like we like to call it midnight, right? Because we have like a version of blue that's not as midnight as you can imagine is much more aggressive, intense. We have like the night shift, we call her the night crew um, that comes out and plays, but that's like our most disruptive style of defense, right? So from the very beginning, like what midnight is, is like be disruptive, move on airtime, okay, and no paint, right? And allowing no paint. Um, so our players like know what those are and then they also know what like our non-negotiables are. So we talk about, we say like no boomas, right? So no bailouts, no uncontested shots, no middle, no autos, autos are like go-to moves and then no second chances. So we try to make it so that like these, these principles, these keys stick with our players, which I think is the baseline of being a great defensive program, right? And then when we're actually physically on the court, um, like using the same language for like, okay. And again, we tried to do this early in the season, but like, we're going to see a cross screen down screen, right? We're going to see a shuffle down screen. We're going to see what is our coverage for that? We're going to see horns. How do we cover that? So our players, when they see it, they know it and they can do it. It's like that muscle memory, right? Um, so just identifying those coverages early so that they're, they're as prepared as possible. But, you know, one one coach I talked to, Will Voigt, who coaches, I think it's Angola national team now. I'm sure you know Will is. He's peel like the most kind of peel switching. So yeah. him and I, like during COVID, got in a call. And I was like, Will, like, I love peel switching. I love the concept. Like, talk to me about it. He was like, all you need is great communicators. I was like, well, that's, <laughs> you know. Um, so anyways, he taught me so much about that. And we do that now because we are a really good communication team. Um, so I would just say, you know, it's, you got to kind of, peel back layers but again the more specific you are in defining it for them they can execute it i think and be great communicators. that's great and and peel switching i mean one of the challenges with peel switching is knowing when to go and when to stay and those different things so that makes sense to a certain extent and uh you've used peel switching for a few years now i assume then based on that yeah yeah we have yeah so pretty much we try to do it earlier but like to will's point it doesn't work if you don't talk well so like Mm. the better that our team or the more that our team has grown in terms of the cohesion, we've gotten so much better at it. Right. Cause it's, it's trust. It's knowing when to go and then just going right. And like being really instinctual. So I would say the last three years, we've gotten a lot better at it this year. We're by far the best that we've been. 
Before we dive deeper into the culture, we've talked a little bit about defense, but particularly, I've, I mean, I'm a little more slanted to always watch offense, and I've really enjoyed your team play offense. And per synergy, I mean, excellent transition, excellent in half court, excellent in ATOs, and just give us an idea of some of the foundational things that have helped you guys be so successful in offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 similar to you, Chris. Like, I love offense. I mean, I love defense, but like, sure. who doesn't want to play, <laughs> right? Like, let's go. And yeah. um, so I think you know, when I first got to Columbia, um, figuring out what our identity would be was like has pretty much in line with our recruiting identity, right? It was like, we needed to be able to get the players to play the way that I hoped we could play. So it was like, one, what can we be the best at in the league? And two, what are we right now? Right. (laughs) So when I inherited the program, you know, we are senior heavy, uh, couldn't, we didn't have really like a ton of dynamic players, but like we had length. So we like kind of packed in and we started running pinch post offense. We had one really elite scorer. And then I always wanted to play fast. So like our league just doesn't have any team that like just plays really fast and like effectively and efficiently. So, um, you know, rewind five, six years ago in my second year, like we then just really started recruiting versatile kids that were tough, athletic. Um, and we were just like, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll put the pieces together for them, you know, but we just need to get kids that are bought in that want to be in the gym um, and that we can teach the game too. So, you know, with that kind of I guess our identity was born as like a fast, like a very fast paced offensive team. Um, we're averaging just about 80, a little over 80 points a game right now. Um, you know, we are one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. We have, you know, all five of our starters in double figures. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with personnel and just making sure that our staff, one was recruiting the right kind of players, but we were developing them and making sure, you know, one through five could lead the break. Um, one through five can pass. Spacing, it looks like great spacing. Obviously, a lot of five out, four out variations, but also yep. uh, it, it looks like, again, which is a characteristic of, I think, of the best teams offensively now is that you, you let players drive to score. Like there's mm-hmm. players in situations where they, you can tell they have freedom to be able to attack and drive to score and make decisions off of that. And uh, it seems to be a foundational part of what you're emphasizing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we like we say, like, we want to put them in situations where like they can create and they're free to do so. And, I don't honestly, I always tell them, I'm like, if I don't have to make play calls, then we know we're playing well, right? Like, because you guys are just reading what you're getting and you're just playing off one another. So that's my perfect world. I'm not, I'm not talking a lot. <laughs> right. And concepts, concepts, and then an yep. understanding of the structure out of those concepts. Totally. And, playing. and yeah, it's really good stuff. And I encourage coaches to check out uh, your team play if they haven't had a chance yet, because it's, it's really good offense. Uh, and, and conceptually, obviously, I can see that. And uh, we're coming back to the culture part, because, again, like one of the unique things is how you've changed this program uh, mm-hmm. from basically nothing to something in that way. And culture change, it happens in steps. Can you share some of the ideas in terms of the different steps that you've gone through in terms of changing the culture in this program? Yeah, you know, I think like the, like I like to say it's kind of like our three step process, right? Like the first step was just like buy in, like bottom baseline, like are you bought in or not? You want to come play here? Do you get what we're doing? Right. Um, and, and that was, that's always hard when you take over a program, there's four classes of players you didn't recruit, right. They didn't, they didn't want to come play for you. So that very first step that, that took a while, you know, I would say probably year three was one um, who was now lo- mostly our seniors. Now we're kind of like that year three recruiting class for me. They like were able to totally just come in and like be so bought into what we were doing, which really rubbed off on their older teammates, right? Because they wanted to win, and it was like, shoot, we where we want to win too, you know. Um, so that was the first step. The second step was like the believing that we could do it, right? It's like believing in what we were talking about, not just being like, yeah, we're all here to do it. Um, you know, what where we saw those major changes was like starting to win, right? Like figuring out how to win together. Um, and a huge credit to my staff, like again, they've recruited the right people that like 
have really been in sync with our vision style philosophically. Um, so then the last piece, the last piece, you know, I think for culture to sustain itself, it needs to be bred within the program. And that's like not on the staff anymore, right? Like that's like now our players are talking the talk, walking the walk, um, and able, like able to actually like pass that on to each other in a really meaningful, tangible way. And when you talk about that last piece in particular, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast. I love highlighting it. It doesn't mean you're just leaving the communication up to the players. Sometimes you're peppering it in. Sometimes you're orchestrating it individually for them to be able to spread. And then once you start to do that, they take more ownership and get empowered from that, don't they? Totally, totally. We had a practice today. It was like perfect example. So like we just came off of a weekend. So we beat Princeton on Friday night um, and did a 27 game losing streak that we had between programs, right? It was crazy. Like I coached at Princeton. So like, you know, I was part of all of that, the success that Courtney and her staff had. And um, so it, was, it meant not only a lot to me, but also like to, for Columbia and like what Columbia basketball is and who we are nationally now. And then like the next day we flip around and we drop a game that we shouldn't have. Right. And so I'm like, today was all about like, we had to take that step back again for our players to really understand this is like our team and it's only about how we talk to each other, how we fix problems. You know, coach can, can draw up every play and but on a back-to-back night when your dog tired, you, it's got it. You guys got to take care of that. Right. Um, so, you know, today was a perfect example of exactly what you just talked about. Well, in a new role for a lot of them, which is handling success and expectations, totally. right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's so true. It's like, we've never been the hunted. <laughs> this is, we've been hunting, we've been hunting for so long and, now, all of a sudden, you know, everybody's coming at us like, like, you know, we're the best and which we are. And I'm I'm so proud that we've gotten to this point. But, you know, the way um, Penn celebrated beating us on Saturday, like, I was like, wow, I never thought I would see that, you know, almost. And it was it was a cool moment at the same time, as bad as it was. <laughs> That's pretty cool, too. Yeah. No, when it, when it means so much to the other team means you've got to some point with your program. That's tremendous. Yeah. And, uh, no, I love talking about buy-in and belief. And, you know, I just said the breeding within. And uh, the other part that you talk about this championship mentality. And I want you to talk about this more because I'm fascinated by the phrasing here above the line and below the line behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we really clearly like early on help, help our players understand, like, you know, if you want to be average, you're going to do average things. If you want to be great, you're going to do above the line things. So like average is essentially the line, right? Below the line is anything that's just like below a championship standard. And so we, we really clearly define like, okay, like, you know, responding, especially in your responses, we talk about being instead of outcome driven, being response driven, right? So event plus response equals the outcome. And I'm like, you guys don't realize the outcome is 50% determined by how you respond. Turnover, how do you respond to it? Miss layup, how do you respond to it? Not just the good stuff, right? Not just like the amazing assist or the charge that you took. Of course, there's going to be a positive response. That's why the outcome feels so good. So especially when dealing with adversity, that's the one thing that we talk about above the line, below the line. And, you know, um, you miss your third three in a row, right? Our best shooter in the country. One of the best shooters in the country is on our team, Abby. And I'm like, if you hang your head, what message is that sending, not just to you internally, but to your teammates who everybody's looking at you like you're the best things in sliced bread, right? <laughs> so helping them understand, no, it's it's saying shoulders back, yo, I got it, hit me the next time I'm gonna get you, right? Or I'm gonna get to the rim the next time. Um, that Those are like the above the line choices that we talk a lot about them. But it's really, I think what it comes down to is like, it's all in their response and helping them understand that. Talk to me about that conversation because my daughter, my 11-year-old daughter is the best player on her team. Okay. And she gets frustrated at herself too when she isn't perfect or isn't successful. And the same message to her was exactly what you said, Daddy. 
Yeah. If, if you're frustrated, and um, what what message are you sending to your teammates who aren't as good as you or aren't as good a shooter to you? So talk mm-hmm. to me about how you do coach that situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, you know, and this goes back to kind of like the first part of our our culture with energy. Like we talk about like what and again, we defined it as being a great teammate, right? So you're you're either taking or giving at any point, right? Like you're never just like existing. And if you are, you're really just draining, right? So it's like we try to help them understand like those responses to things and the way that you can affect your teammates with your responses are just, it, it makes, that's what makes the team go, right? It's, it's, that's just what makes it feeds into each other. And that's how you fill each other's cups back up. And that's how you give energy. And when you give energy, you usually get it back. Um, and so instead of draining or going internal, right. And that's taking energy from people. Now it's like, well, shoot, Kitty lost. She, what, where's she at either? Cause now you're not being a good team and now you're not available for whatever feedback it to build that she's trying to build you back up with. So it all is connected. And, you know, basketball is a team sport. That's the other part. It's like, it's not just you out there. you got to stay aware and present of what's happening around you, um, especially to respond because of how fluid the game is. Well, I love that phrasing. Like you're not available and you drain energy. I love that. That's it's, it just brings it home. So I'm, I'm probably going to adapt that to uh, talk to <laughs> good, my daughter good. now, but that's brilliant. Great stuff. <laughs> Um, I, I love the other part, ownership of action, self-awareness, core value, comprehension. But the part that I love that you shared with me was this concept of they handle me. And <laughs> I don't think coaches talk about that enough, about how to handle me as a coach. So talk yeah. to us about that piece. Yeah, you know, I think early on in my coaching career, I mean, you know, we've all made like a million mistakes, right? And I'm a young, I'm a young head coach. Like I got this job just after I, I was 30, essentially, right? Um, and, you know, there was... I remember so many people told me like, don't hire people, your friends, like do this, do that, you know? And I'm, I'm, you know, anyways, come in full circle from that. I made a lot of mistakes early, but the one thing that I always said I would do is be myself, right? And like be authentically who I am because I know no other way. And I'm, I know I believe in myself that much. Um, So with that came me being who I am all the time with them, you know, and like finding that life work integration versus calling it like a balance. I don't think it's a balance because this job is my lifestyle, right? It's like, we all know how it is. It's like, we work all the time, you know, and we love it. We're crazy. <laughs> so just putting that out there for them to to share parts of me and, and in the recruiting messages too, like, I think early I was afraid to do this, but like, tell them like, I'm a very intense person. Like, you need to know that. And I'm going to be like up your butt someday. I'm going to be, you know, talking to you and, and you know, I'm going to curse from time to time. Like I'm going to, you know, and lay that out there for people to be like, but I'm going to love you really, really hard. Right. I'm like a work hard, play hard, love hard person. Um, and I do everything to like the extreme. I'm also a terrible loser. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I sound I like to a coach. Yeah. I sound like a coach. <laughs> exactly. But the more we hide that part of us, it's yeah. like, we can't reach our kids because we're asking them to be who they are to us. Right. So I think they've come to embrace the things about me, the good, the bad, the ugly. And again, cause I think they know I love them. Right. Um, so so you being vulnerable and being the best version of yourself and sharing that with them actually helps you, but it also helps your players ultimately. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's why I think I have such great relationships with them. Like they're not, it's not like they're all going to be like, Oh, I loved Koji all four years. Like we've had some ups and downs, you know, but it's been real. And that's why I always say to them, I'm like, as long as we're being who we are, like, you don't have to agree with me all the time. Like, we need to have that dialogue or, you know, we need to be able to call each other up. That's what we like to say. Instead of call each other out, we like to call each other up, um, you know. And so I think it's it's really benefited us and allowed us to grow, you know, at a, at pretty quickly, too. Well, it strikes me that you normalize the fact that we're going to have struggles and that like any family, any team, any relationship totally. at work 
there's always going to be some struggles and some ups and downs and just normalizing that and making it feel normal for people helps them get through those moments, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And they're like, they're young, like, like they're young women, you know, and like when we recruit them, they're like 15, 16, 17 years old. Like they're like your daughter's ages, right? Like it's, it's crazy. Like we get to know them at such a young age, but you know, that's what's so tough about the recruiting process sometimes is like, you're all just kissing each other's butt all the time, yeah. you know, yeah, like brown nosing. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I'm like, the more real we can be at like a normal and regular age, I think it only helps our relationships later. And that's what gets players to play hard for you, you know? And that's what, that's what like that's what you want at the end of the day is like to be able to see eye to eye about what's important for the program and for them. Coach, a brief interruption from our podcast to tell you about basketballmersion.com. Why do so many coaches coach like it was 20 years ago? Technology, research, innovation have all expanded our understanding of teaching, coaching, and learning. Change can be hard to accept, but with an open mind and willingness to learn, it is possible. This is what Basketball Immersion has done for so many coaches. Coaches at all levels of basketball from around the world have stimulated their coaching development using the Basketball Immersion membership community. Embrace the change that will impact your players and team beyond anything you can imagine. Join our Basketball Immersion community at basketballimmersion.com. Yeah, it always struck me, and I always told players, I said, don't come play for me unless you come to a practice first. Because practice Absolutely. is the place where you or I or most coaches, we can't fake a practice. and We would never fake a practice. <laughs> that is it's so authentic is in those moments and you'll see authentically what someone's like i think in practice absolutely i agree so the main reason we connected um was tim hill from australia because you've had a number of australian right. players now i was following you and i knew of your success and your turnaround you're on my list and originally i just had a note saying talk about how they turn this program around and then he started to talk to me a little bit about journaling and some of the different things that you did and i've not ne i've never had anyone on to talk about this and i really do because yeah. Uh, my wife, myself, uh, we really value this concept of journaling and reflection and different things like that. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this and what you call pride time. So maybe give us an overview of what pride time is first, and then we'll dive deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this was three years ago now um, coming and this really the best part about COVID for and again, there's. COVID was a terrible time for everybody in the world. And, but the the biggest silver lining I had was like, I was on a sabbatical, right? We didn't play that year. So I was like, literally just like soaking up everything I could do, reading books, like podcasts and island stuff I all like to do anyways. But, you know, it was just, I didn't have the film watching time. We weren't in person. I wasn't even with our players. Um, so I think in that time, I was really able to say like, I think we need time to talk about important things every week, right? Um, and not just in a way that's like right before practice or, no, like let's sit down for at least 30 minutes a week and journal or do some other things, right? Like reflection ideas, maybe a meditation session, whatever the team needs at that point. Um, you know, in, in a group of lions, female lions is called a pride, right? So we were like, we play off of that a lot in recruiting and just with how we talk to our team and you know, our staff came together and we're like, it's pride time, Meg, let's call it pride time, you know? So we decided during our staff retreat one year that we would kind of carve out this time, even if it took 30 minutes away from practice, right? Um, because that's what we did during COVID when we were Zooming and, you know, it was just, it was, we connected, we found a way to connect. It had nothing to do with basketball. And so um, that's really how it was born, honestly, at Pride Time. That's great stuff. And uh, diving a little bit deeper, let's uh, talk about journaling. And, uh, you know, first of all, maybe share, what's the importance of journaling? Because there's a lot of research and evidence-based ideas around how journaling helps us, helps us as humans, let alone as basketball players. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think like 
it's funny because it, it did seem kind of hokey for some of our players at first, right? Which like, I get that, like, especially if you're not as comfortable with your thoughts, but to be able to put your thoughts on paper, get it out of your mind a little bit, right? Um, and then be able to reflect on it and like, see, okay, this is what is actually on my mind versus just thinking you're, you know, about it or like dwelling on a thought. It literally like, it almost like it takes it out of your mind for a minute, right? Um, so it allows you to move past it and learn from it, which, you know, for us were our biggest goals with it. And like, I knew only maybe a couple players had done journaling in their time, in their lives, right? These, these are stuff like we just asked them and have you ever tried this before? So it was really like, some of them didn't like it at first, you know? <laughs> And now it's been normalized and I think they really appreciate that it's, and it's not just journaling when it's bad or when it's good, it's, it's all of it, right? It's, it's being authentic in that moment. Um, yeah. So I think those are some of the biggest benefits we've had. It also allows you to gather your thoughts right before you talk. Cause that's part of what pride time is, is sometimes we don't share, but whenever somebody feels moved to share, like by all means, that's what we want. You know, we want these conversations to happen. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been extremely valuable, and I think all of them now have come to love it in in their own ways. So bringing awareness to themselves and uh, obviously to their teammates when you do totally. share, and then the other part I know about journaling is it actually helps people understand a little bit of the symptoms that maybe triggers or some type of continuous pattern, uh, especially if they reflect back and they look back through it. So maybe first of all, do they share their journals with you, or are they private? So their journals are private um, unless they want to share. You know, we kind of state that to them. Like, you are welcome to have us as people, as a staff where you you can share this with. But we have them keep it on their own. I know um, some of them, like, in the back, it's all their basketball stuff. Some of them in the front, it's all just, like, their open journaling sessions. We also tell them, like, this is not just for pride time. This is for you. Like, this is you time. Um, and some of them have their own journals. But I think it's something that's nice to have with them, like, in their backpacks at all time, right? Um Again, touching on what you said, the awareness piece, like increasing self-awareness has become so important, not just for this generation, for any generation. Um, and it's something I really believe in, too. It's it's helped me immensely in my life. Yeah, and prioritize what's important, which, again, for this generation impacts them more than any other generation totally. to, to understand all the noise and what actually is valuable. So when do they journal? Yeah, yeah. So we on Fridays... Um, since we've been on break, it's kind of been a little bit, we're picking it more sure. around like game times and all that stuff. But we typically on a normal week, if we're not playing, it's like the end of the week, like a Friday at 9.30 a.m. So we'll do it sort of before they start their day. And then we kind of like roll into like weights, practice, all that stuff. Um, but recently we've been doing it like at night, you know, it kind of, we get on a road trip, we get to where we're going and we do it the night before the game. Um, so, but again, we, we try to just mix it up to what we think is important for them and ask them, Hey, when do you guys want to do pride time this week? Now it's a thing. Now they know we're doing it, right? And I found that anytime you can get their permission or they, it's their idea, they're just so much more bought in. So <laughs> we try to leave it up to them. And uh, with the journaling, do you use prompts sometimes to be able to prompt them about what to write about? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we, um, and again, it's, it's sort of like timeliness about like what's happening in the season, what's happening in their lives, what's happening in the year. Um, sometimes we'll do it, or like we'll prompt them in like we've done one of my favorite um, journaling sessions we ever done was like an empathy journal session. So basically they pick, they have like buddies on the team, right? It's usually like an upperclassman, underclassman combo or something like that. And they basically had to like journal about what it was like to be that person and like what they experienced in the last, you know, week or 48 hours. And for some of them, it was like impossible. They were like, I don't even know. Like I have no idea what to write, you know, and which was the cool part. That's what you want to happen. Um, 
and it was just extremely emotional for some others and uh, you know it was really powerful so um did you see some of them kind of asking each other then what is it really like to be you (laughs) yeah yeah so like we so basically when we did that one we had two players be like honestly i don't even really know you that much like yeah you know and isn't that that amazing to spend all that time together and that's absolutely true on some teams you don't know someone that well so true yeah just like that awareness again increasing awareness increasing self-awareness others awareness is really the main goal with it um because i think when you can do that you can one accomplish great things and do hard things together and that's what basketball is like that's what sports are that's what life is is doing hard things to get to the goals that you want right um it's it's really taught us a lot about each other and how to communicate with each other yeah, I was just going to ask you, what are some of the benefits after doing this for a few years for the collective group? And, you know, you mentioned that. And, uh, uh, you know, another part that goes with that, I'm curious, what what type of transfer have you seen? Because ultimately, everything you're doing is about the individual being better and the team obviously having success. So from doing this, what type of transfer to performance have you seen with your players? Well, I feel like, you know, the the biggest transfer we've seen is the directness that they can talk to each other with. Mm. Um, and that's something like, I think that's hard for a lot of people. Like as coaches, I think that's like almost an innate thing. Like we like, we're the exception, right? Like it's too direct, aren't we? Totally. totally <laughs> um, all the time. And I, I'm like, I catch myself being too direct all the time. Um, like no filter. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's why it's hard for us to relate to, to other people sometimes is because of that. Like that's just natural for us. So with our players, we now are starting to see them be able to have direct conversations on the basketball court, which that only makes you a better defensive team or a better cohesive team or builds trust, right? I always say like, when you communicate, that builds trust. Um, and that's that's how you end up getting on the court, right? <laughs> like your teammates gotta trust you, we gotta trust you. So yeah, I think that self-awareness has allowed them to say, okay, this is who I am, this is maybe what I need, and then also know, hey, this is what team X needs. Um, yeah, which, you know, I and I really do believe it showed up in the turnaround in our program. That's awesome. I'm so glad, grateful you're talking about this. And uh, there are tons of resources. Just Google them online about journaling and reflection. Lane. But for a coach who's now very curious about this and maybe considering starting journaling, what do you suggest they start with? Where Where would they start from in terms of introducing this to the team? Yeah, you know, I think. Um, I, I work with an executive coach too, which I like, I would number one, recommend that to anybody, like in whatever profession it's been like, definitely life-changing for me, um, as a coach. Uh, but you know, she had really helped me kind of like figure this all out with our team. And it was just like, you know, at first it doesn't have to really be anything like just five minutes a day or a night, even 10 minutes a week, whatever it is, just like have a goal with it that you can stick to. Um, you know, with our team, how we started is like, we would do like gratitude journaling sometimes, like write down three things you're grateful for. Right. And then that's just like, now you can start every day like that date it. Right. Um, and then we would just kind of take it from there and unpack it a little bit more. All right. Now we did the empathy journaling. Right. So I think if you're starting with your team, you got to start somewhere where like, it's not going to be scary for them. It's something they know already. Right. And then I would say the next step is, is to, you got to be able to feel out where are they at now? Are they going to be willing to share? Are they not? Um, because that's all stuff that, you know, that can really easily take them out of that vulnerable state or, you know, get them to want to be in it more. So, um, but then we would just get more specific with our prompts, but I would just say, start with something simple that they know, make them feel confident. And one of the challenges with all this, and you've referred to this a few times is they get emotional and that is both a strength and a weakness because sometimes they can get too emotional about things, especially if you're doing it on a game day or something. And I was an assistant with a coach that did 
you know, the coolest thing in some ways, but you did it at the wrong time just before a mm-hmm. game. And players got totally. way too emotional and lost their balance in terms of play. So that's totally. an important part of this too, isn't it? Is understanding when to pepper it in and when not. Absolutely. Timing is everything. I mean, we meet as a staff every Monday. Like I just actually finished our staff meeting before I jumped on with you. And we talk about like, when, when do we do pride time this week? Right? Like, okay, we have Harvard on Saturday. we got Cornell on Monday. Should we do it on the night before? Like it's, that's just as important as what play you're going to run. End of game, right? We're all worried about, we all love the X's and O's. Yeah. This stuff is what tees you up so that they can be successful in that play. <laughs> yeah. Timing is everything. So true. And uh, you also mentioned wellness checks. So give us an idea of what that means, because that seems so important in this modern era of coaching as well. These wellness yeah. checks. Absolutely. You know, I think we realized as a staff and, you know, again, huge credit to not just my direct coaching staff, but our strength staff, we call it our performance team, our strength staff, our athletic trainer, our doctors, right? Like we, we talk a lot about, and I meet with them weekly, just how do we keep a pulse on our players from a physical, mental, emotional standpoint and know and help them think about one, what am I putting into my body, right? Not just like go see the nutritionist. Like, yes, we have those resources, which is great, but having them be more intentional with what they're eating and drinking, and then also how much they're sleeping and why, right? So beginning of the year, we sort of, you know, I, and a couple of years ago, I did this and I think our players were like, oh, why are we doing this? And I was like, it's all about how we present it to them. So it's got to like resonate with them. And then we basically, um, instead of giving them the answers to like, hey, this is if you're feeling good, bad, or ugly, whatever, we would have them define what all of those things meant. So, you know, we basically do like a, a light system, like a stoplight system with our team. So it's like green is kind of like fresh, ready to go, you know, for a physical state. Yellow is like soreness, fatigue. And then they kind of have to like list what, what's going on. And then we have like a red and a black, right? Black's like can't function. Red is like having pain, probably need to see the doctor. So instead of them having to come and tell us, which again, being confident with your words is always a challenge for young people. They can now fill this out every morning and give us sort of like the weather report before we see them. So that everybody does it every day before they walk into the gym. It's about an hour before they come here. And as a staff, we all have access to it. We can check it and, you know, and they'll tell us, hey, I want to talk about it or I don't. Um, but it just gives us a pulse. It allows us to have a pulse for like where they are at in all three of those states. Um, so it's it's been invaluable to our team, I think. Well, I love it. I love it that you simplified it because I've used those 10 point scales and the rate of oh, yeah. and things like that. And it, it's almost, again, it's too much. And the, 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 I love the colors. It just simplifies things for them. Totally. In terms of that. Yeah. Uh, and anytime we can simplify communication, we know that leads to effectiveness. And uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing, I mean, you talked about uh, players connecting with handshakes and different things like that being important. And this struck me. I mean, I've been to my daughter's soccer practice now with this new coach a few times as a nine-year-old and they don't do any type of greeting to start. They don't do any type of connection to start. And it just struck me as like so awkward. <laughs> so yeah, talk to us like, about oh. that because I know that's important for you is greetings and handshakes and this connection. Yeah. 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 I just think there's like, there needs to be something that like it puts you in sync with each other. Right. Um, and so like, I have a handshake with every single player on our team um, and all of our staff does like that. I was like, we are doing this. You have to buy into it. Like everybody's doing it. We have hand, we all give each other fives before the start practice um, and we do our handshake and we see each other. Um, I'm like how you greet each other. The first time you see somebody is like, it's like your first impression. It's, it means a lot and it's a great moment to be a great teammate. Um, so we do that. And then also we do like pre-practice connectors. So every day there's like a theme. So like today is Monday, it's minute Monday. So put a minute on the clock. 
and you just gotta like pick somebody quickly and then you have like a minute to just like connect with that person right tuesdays tough tuesday so like sometimes like people it's like open share like something tough that are hardship but also tough like you know that's tough like you had a great and one or like whatever it is you know what they like to talk about it's tough jason tatum dropped 70 last night you know <laughs> um and then you know wisdom wednesday thankful thursday so we have kind of these connectors that we do every every day which i think really tees you up for like a great day I love it. And you mentioned uh, buddy system, the teams within the team concept. And uh, there's two other areas that you talked about, uh, accountability groups and grannies versus babies. Let's start with <laughs> accountability groups first. <laughs> yeah. So we um, our accountability groups. Basically, um, at the beginning of every year, I got this idea. I definitely borrowed this from uh, another coach who I really respect, like just having like not just buddies, but like bigger teams within the team that have nothing to do with basketball. So each coach on my staff and our director of operations, they um, they get put with a certain group. So it's nothing to do with like what positional like group they are or whatever. There's no affiliation. It's like super random. Um, and then we we basically have like a running score throughout the year of like behavioral things, community service, civic engagement, um, academic progress. And then like we do like Dean's list and, you know, just kind of any other way to impact our greater community. Um, and so it's, it's stuff that we score. So like all throughout the year, so there's just like running total. Um, and then they do like certain things and activities, like each group plans a community service project. Um, and the whole team has come together and like, we have like a season campaign to support black women this year. So like super involved in the Harlem community and each of them sort of does something around that and then brings the whole team into it. Um, it's, I've just found that it like one, it, it has nothing to do with like playing or competing, which is you you have to make sure you make time for that stuff. Um, and then two, it just allows them to form connections with people that they might not, right? Yeah, it only and helps them. reporting to me. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, it only like, helps them later in life. Those different things totally. that you're challenging them to do. Yeah. In some cases, getting outside their comfort zone and uh, yeah, yeah, again, grannies versus babies. I can't wait to hear <laughs> this, this phrasing. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we, uh, this year, last year, actually, um, because of COVID, we had uh, five players take a gap year, So, which is, which is great. It's a great sign. It means people want to stay at Columbia and play for us, which we love, but it also like merged this huge class together. So our current senior class is seven, which is like unheard of, right? But we also then got a transfer in. So it was like six and now it became seven. So we had this like direct split last year of like seven juniors, one senior and then we had seven underclassmen right so we kind of did like we were like all right so it's like the old and the new and then all of a sudden the, the players just like so when we would go to compete shooting competition all right freshmen and sophomores down here juniors down here you know so then they took it our team and they were like we're the babies and like you know they're doing <laughs> the rocking and like they're taking the bottle and then the grant and they're like all right we're grannies so they have like their cane and they're you know joking around and then it just became such a thing because roll into this year we have all seven of those seniors and now the other seven are all underclassmen right plus our juniors so it's just been anytime we want that we need like juice in the gym we go babies grannies and they're like psychos <laughs> <laughs> that's great increase the so, competition you don't have yeah, to yell, so just put them against each other yeah. literally like and it's just like it injects this energy into the gym that's unreal um and i'm like i wish you guys like went at other people like this you know but <laughs> they uh they just take a lot of pride in it and i think it was so organically born that we just kind of ran with it and i think every year it might change we just happen to have the same team right so it's like even more solidified 
Well, you talked about organic, but credit to you and the staff and everyone too for allowing space for those things to evolve, right? It doesn't all have to be coach-directed and coach-led, as right. you referred to already. These player-led things become so important. And it, it really, I mean, removal of your ego to embrace those things and mm-hmm. say it's your own. And that yeah. creates such power, doesn't it, within your team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, player, I think it's like the best teams, coach-fed, player-led. Like we've we've all heard that one way or another, right? And I truly believe that is like if the players are are the ones that have a voice and their voice is heard and we're celebrating that and again creating the space for that you can accomplish great things together so it's it's so important i love it and I mean, you do so many cool things within your program it sounds like it's fun to play regardless of just the basketball part because again you're creating this interconnectedness and uh just diving deeper into some of those things uh what's a season campaign um and then i think the other one is uh, the, the my journey meetings yeah. Yeah. So the season campaign is um, so basically our team decided to come together and like dedicate what the season would mean to them. So this was like coming out of COVID when we had all of this time to just talk about nothing that had to do with basketball. I mean, there was basketball conversation or watching basketball, but it was like, what is important to you all that you want to keep talking about when we are at our busiest time? Right. It's like school, you got finals, you know, you're on campus, you're socializing, you're doing all these other things. And now we're playing basketball. Um, so rewind two years ago, our team really wanted to focus on promoting allyship. So that was like something that was really important. So they kind of put a video together and they dedicated like action items to how we were going to do that on our campus community. Um, and also we kind of started like supporting black women, that initiative. And then this year they really dove into that again. And so supporting black women is our season campaign. And again, this came from the players. Like, this is not something like I encouraged them to do this, but it was like, what are you passionate about? So, you know, they do youth clinics with a certain organization on a regular basis. We do all of our pregame and postgame meals from like black women's own businesses in the local community. Um, and we try when we travel to do it as well. So obviously, it's hard to do that in some places. But, um, you know, and then also we do like this thing is called Scout and Scavenge. We like pretty much try to get anything on road trips, like any of like the toiletries and like donate them to a local um, women's shelter in Harlem. Um, at the end of the year, we do clothing drives throughout the year. So just like little ways that we can impact the community in a meaningful way um, and the sp- very, be very specific about that. So that's that's kind of our, our season campaign idea. That's great. And then my journey meetings. Yeah, my journey. So that's this is another part like about like taking a dive into like the off the court emotional mental journey for the team. Um, so like twice to two to three times throughout the year, we kind of sit down and like this is where we like do our goal setting and just kind of like get to know them off the court. Like what's important to you. And each class has something a little bit different that we prompt them with, but you know, it's like, you know, what, what, you know, one, what are your goals? And we kind of break it down by edge, right? So leadership, academic, uh, and then basketball, like those are like the three big categories and we do it by energy, discipline, grit, and excellence. And then the other thing is like, we'll ask them questions like, and then also have like an express yourself kind of like option where they have to do an elevator pitch. Like our sophomores all have to do an elevator pitch with us. <laughs> so they like walk out of my office, they come back in and like, all right, you're on an interview. What, who are we talking to? What are we doing? And we like act it out. Um, you know, some of them, they have to like share with us their favorite song and play it for us and ex- tell us why. Uh, so those are some of the things that we just try to dig deeper at to like getting to know them, right? Um, and creating a space where it's like, you know, getting a little uncomfortable in those moments too. Getting uncomfortable to get comfortable again, right? Totally, totally. And uh, the benefit of all these things as a whole, your players feel more connected. Uh, are they more open and vulnerable so you can coach them a little bit better? I mean, obviously, it's all led to success. And, you know, we don't want to discount the work that 
they do in practice and the strength and conditioning room, all that stuff is what leads to success too. But uh, with all these different things that you've been able to put together for them, um, what do you think the player response has been overall? Yeah. I mean, at times I think, you know, it's, I think earlier at times it's kind of like, why are we doing this? And then like, you just kind of have to remind them like what it takes to go into like, to being successful. And like, again, these are the things that you said you wanted way back when I recruited you or when, you know, we started the season and it's like everything we do is super intentional with the idea of us bring getting closer to that thing or whatever that is. Right. Um, and just constantly reminding them of that, I think is, is huge, you know, because sometimes you can get lost in the monotony of like your wellness check. Right. It's like, well, I'm freaking about this freaking thing again, but I'm like, every day matters like 1% every day, um, how you show up every day, how you follow through every day. Um, and, you know, we're just trying to create those habits for them. You know, I think that's the, really the goal with all of it is just forming good habits that they can carry on way beyond their time here at Columbia. You, you mentioned being like the balance is the wrong word, right? Like we are unbalanced as coaches intentionally. And yep. to a certain extent, a player is unbalanced intentionally as well towards this experience of being on this team. So I'm wondering how you bring in this personal side of their life and their experience as a as an individual separate from your team than based on all these other things that you've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's that's the that's the part with all this is like we want to get to know who they are and have them be able to candidly share that with us because like we are their coaches. Yes, but like the line of coach and like person and like who we are like we're together so much it's like half the time i'm with you i'm not even your basketball coach like i'm just like another person in the, in your space you know and for you to be able to really grow and like be vulnerable like we have to be comfortable with each other and like share with each other and you know and, and sometimes it's got to be forced you know sometimes it can't just be like well let's just see how it goes you know i'm a big believer in like you got to have plans at times right um so yeah, I think it's 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 really allowed us you know to get to know them in in a true organic and authentic way. And it, every year you see their goals get more specific. You see them more comfortable in that space. You see them not like sitting on the edge of the couch trying to get in my office. You see them like literally sitting across from me ready to talk about it. Um so I just do think with time too that this stuff gets a lot more easy and it just gets more comfortable. But yeah, vulnerability is a powerful powerful tool. Well, I imagine, again, you mentioned being a young coach, when head coach when you started. And uh, was a lot of this, again, based on what you would have valued as a player as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I say this often and not in a negative way. Like, I struggle to relate sometimes with this younger generation because, like, I think I was really wired differently. Like, I was, I was you know, like, as most coaches are, like, we're a little crazy, right? You want to be great? You got to be a little crazy. And, you know, I would – and I, I think I don't think I was just in touch with my vulnerability, which – I had like a lot of head coaches. We had, I had like four head coaches, Chris, when I was here. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of turnover. So like I was never close with anybody, you know, on my staff. Like I just never had that experience until I was a pro. Um, and I like really craved that. And so like when I got the chance, I was like, my players are going to like, they're going to know I'm going to be a stable, consistent voice and in, in person for them. Um, so that was really important to me. And so like, I feel like once we like knew that's what was important, we just had to like, how do we get there and like ask them and ask other people and, you know, cause I didn't know, honestly, to be to tell you the truth, I didn't know all these things when I started, like, it's kind of like process of elimination, trial and error, ask them, I'm going to screw up, but let's roll with it. <laughs> so. Well, that's great. And it speaks to your development and obviously as a young coach and now a, a veteran coach, we'll call you. Um, okay. And again, like for you, like you were an assistant at Princeton, but beyond that, you didn't have multiple experiences 
as an assistant coach. So I imagine you go back to your playing experiences a little bit. The benefit of having four different coaches and the benefit of playing in multiple places in your pro career overseas is that you did get exposed to different types of coaches and probably helped you in the long run rather than mirror one style. You had multiple styles to choose from. Is that, is that partly true? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm like, as challenging as my college career was at times, it was, it made me, it totally prepared me for what I'm doing right now. I had no idea it was doing that. Right. But it it absolutely stretched me in ways I did not probably want to be stretched. Um, It made me learn four different philosophies plus more when you think about the professional side, like I was just so much more adaptable as a player um, at the time. Like I could go into a system and be like, all right, boom, I got you. Like, here we go. You know, Whereas I don't know if I would have been able to do that, you know, if it was just one system, one coach, one voice the whole time. Um, so, and that's why it's like so important for our staff to have a voice. Cause I'm like, if they just hear me the whole time, it's like, that's, they'll start drowning me out. (laughs) So yeah, definitely, definitely a pro. It was a pro. Coach, I mean, so many practical ideas here. And uh, thank you for uh, giving us real access to your program. I think behind the scenes, and I've already talked and we talked about the beginning. I mean, the success on the court uh, speaks to the strengths that you've highlighted here. But uh, you've also mentioned always bring it back to your why. So share with us a little bit more about the why and, uh, you know, how you've been able to uh, build this program into uh, an Ivy League power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I think I, you, you know, like your purpose, right? I think like when you do something with passion and, you know, I talk a lot about like finding your passion with our players, like on the court. Yes. But also like in life. And like, that's why you come to Columbia university. Right. Um, and, and really like going after with everything you have. And and for me, like, you know, I always, my biggest why is like affecting positive change and influence in others. And that's why I coach, right? Like that's what coaches do. I feel like. Um, and so for our team, it's like, they have to know why we're doing this together. And also, we need to be able to say, Hey, let's like, again, what are we doing here? Why do we, you know, and for them, it's always like, we want to, we play for each other. We love each other. We want to. And so we just have to remind them of that at times. And I think that's like the only way that you can accomplish great things. Like if people don't know where they're going, there's no way you're going to get there. Right. Like, so it's like, you can only bring people along in that journey with you if they know why they're doing it. Um, and that's, that's kind of like that third step of culture is like the breeding within the team. Like that, that's essentially knowing your why. Right. Brilliant stuff. Tremendous. Thank you for sharing with us. Of course. Coach, I can't wait to get you back to the basketball podcast, but I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you about immersionvideos.com. Have you checked out immersionvideos.com? Watch an ADOTS practice and see how he has Alabama ranked in the top five nationally. Or get access to our new release featuring nine all-access practices from Alex Rama. Or other products from Tobin Anderson, Doug Novak, Dave Smart, Scott Morrison, Aaron Fern, Mark Cassio, Francisco Nanny, and more. Immersionvideos.com was created to provide value to coaches like you who are looking to stimulate their professional development by offering unique all-access tools necessary for you to be an outstanding coach who values learning and seeks to evolve. Go to Immersionvideos.com and check it out today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, Subscribe to our newsletter at basketballmergent.com slash newsletter.